Welcome to the Soil Solutions Podcast. I am your host, Jessica Nadd, and this podcast is being produced in partnership with High Plains Journal and Great Plains Regeneration. With me today is Zach Stuckey. Welcome, Zach. Hi, Jess. Thanks. I'm so excited to be here. You know, with High Plains Journal and the publisher, it really is my mission as a son and grandson to grow or just here in the heart of Kansas that we make sure soil health and our content is always practical and real. And no matter what cropping system you're in, that it impacts your bottom line immediately. Excellent. Healthy soil equals healthy people, planets and animals. And we're excited to be here. Today's Soil Solutions podcast was made possible by the Kansas Department of Agriculture and the Division of Conservation. The Kansas Department of Agriculture is the nation's first state department of agriculture. The agency is devoted to the total support of agriculture in Kansas, and this department works for the entire state of agriculture, including farmers, ranchers, food establishments, and agribusinesses. The department is dedicated to providing support and assistance to make Kansas business successful, to encourage more farms, ranches, and other agricultural businesses to expand in or relocate to Kansas. The conservation of natural resources is an important concern for all Kansans. The Division of Conservation, working with 105 local conservation districts, 75 organized watershed districts, and other special purpose districts, as well as state and federal entities to administer programs to improve water quality, reduce soil erosion, conserve water, reduce flood potential, and provide a local water supply. All right. Well, welcome back to the podcast. And I'm super excited for my podcast guest today. Um, But before I get into that, the state of Kansas is actually going through a significant rain event. So if you're like the rest of us, you have to spend the first 20 minutes of any conversation talking about the rain. So welcome, Rod and Daryl. Are you guys getting any rain out there? Finally. Gosh, we've been looking for this stuff. We've had probably (laughs) the driest glitter on record, but you know, I'm not going to complain. I like feeding in two-wheel drive, too. Absolutely, absolutely. So uh, what's the rain look like down there from your perspective, Rod? Looks like it's uh, very timely. Uh, we're hoping that it'll be spring soon, and I think this is probably going to make it happen. All right. Well, good news. It definitely makes a, a rainy Monday a lot more easy to tolerate when you get to sit outside and watch everything greening up. So with me today, we're going to backtrack a little bit. We're working with the conservation of natural resources in the state of Kansas. And as we mentioned, this podcast series is being underwritten by the Kansas Department of Agriculture Division of Conservation. And I'm joined by two representatives down in the eastern, southeastern part of the state of Kansas. So with me today, I have Rod Voorhees. He is a Wilson County Conservation District Supervisor, Chairman of the State Conservation Commission, Rancher, and Business Owner. So welcome to the show, Rod. How are you today? Doing very well, and I'm excited to be here. Thank you. All right. Well, tell me a little bit more about what you do and a little bit about your operation. Okay. Well, I look at my operation as a business, and I enjoy this time of year because we've got lots of calves being born and uh, 
in the evening, it's just magic to see them running around and feeling good. Uh, but my operation is based on uh, trying to utilize the natural resources I have available to me in the best possible way so that I sustain their productivity and continue to improve uh, what I've purchased or inherited or however you want to look at it from previous generations. And I think that being a conservation district supervisor has allowed me an opportunity to know a lot of very wise people and learn a lot more about how to make best use of the land that I have. Well, thank so. you. And <laughs> yeah, so welcome to the podcast. And we also have with us Daryl Donahue, who is also a Wilson County Conservation District Supervisor, a Kansas Association of Conservation Districts and Area 5 Director. You also have an operation in the area. So welcome, Daryl. Tell us a little bit more about yourself. Well, thank you, Jessica. I'm delighted to be here. Uh, I'm a fifth generation producer in Wilson County. Uh, my family homesteaded here in 1867, and uh, they started taking care of the native blue stem about 1880. Uh, we still have those pastures. Great granddad, granddad, and dad put it together, and it was up to me to pay for it, and I've just about got that accomplished. I love grassland. I consider myself to be more of a stockman grass farmer, really, than a rancher. Um, I am widely known as the cedar tree hater of Wilson County. Uh, the Green Glacier has definitely made its imprint here, and I'm utilizing every means at my disposal to melt that glacier back. Um, it's hard to uh, run the correct stocking rate and keep your water up if you've got a parasite out there that drinks 30 gallon of water a day. Uh, it's just getting to be out of hand. So with loppers in one hand and drip torch in the other, I'm trying to get it back the way it was when it looked like it did in 1880. Well, I think that's fantastic. And we'll get in a little bit more of what the conservation district does to help you out with those hated cedar trees. And I was, we were chatting before we got started here that I had a social media post on Facebook and I was asking a gardening question and I was asking about what to do in my garden. And I had, I had taken a picture of our overgrazed pasture that I was trying to establish this garden and the comments about the cedar trees, it made the post go viral. So tell me a little bit more of, of why your area of Kansas um, has that, that, you know, love, hate, or I mean, maybe just pure hatred of cedar trees. You want to feel this one or you want to let me go to it, Rod? <laughs> I'll start and you can expand. Okay. Uh, this area is uh, quite diverse. And I guess that's a nice way of saying that we have a variety of uh, dominant ecosystems in this county. Uh, so we're on the edge of the native tall grass prairie. We have a lot of native timberland, uh, cross timbers, and we have some lowlands. So I think because of that, there has been an opportunity for invasives such as cedar trees to uh, become prevalent due to the lack of adequate management. And the conservation district is trying to make people aware of 
the assistance that's available so that they can manage their land uh, to reduce the invasives and increase productivity and uh, improve water quality, soil health, and so on. So I'm excited about an opportunity to deal with folks out on the landscape. I'm also involved with rural fire. And I would say that oftentimes, if I would go home from putting out a fire because we got called to do that, I feel guilty. Uh, my philosophy with rural fire is to get with the landowner and develop a plan and bring that fire into better managed state instead of extinguishing the fire and share information with them. And, and we work with uh, rural fire does with the conservation district closely to, uh, to help folks understand and use fire as a management tool responsibly. Because I think absence of fire in the management of the land is the greatest risk for a catastrophic event. So you want to be a fire starter and not necessarily an, an emergent fire putter outer. Is that is that accurate to say? <laughs> yes, I, I, I want we use fire to bring fire into a managed condition. Yeah. So, OK, I'm I'm an average Jess and might not have agricultural background in particular, might not know um, southeast Kansas or, or the eastern part of the state of Kansas. So. Working with the conservation district, you talked about about fire and cedars. What are ways that the common person can understand the focus of those two topics? I mean, isn't isn't the, the goal to be able to produce more on the land? So through the lens of soil health, tell me a little bit more about fire, cedars, and what the average Jess needs to know. I'll set Daryl up on this. I, I learned it. At, I look at everything ecologically, and I learned at a young age that the tall grass prairie had three things that were necessary for sustaining that ecosystem. And that was the presence of grazing, drought, and fire. And so when I learned about how to manage that so that I can sustain the productivity of that, I need to understand the importance of each of those. So, I use grazing management. There's not a lot we can do about drought, but plan for it and not overstock. And if we do overstock, then we get in trouble with uh, changing the balance of the uh, species composition in that, in other words, we get invasives or allow the opportunity. And that's a segue to you, Daryl. Okay, Rod. Um, again, for the average Jess, one of the best places in the world to get your information is through your local conservation district. We get the information from Kansas State University. We get it from Oklahoma State University. And thanks to uh, the amazing modern world we live in, we have the ability to attend the Zoom calls and the uh, meetings through the internet. And the information's right at our fingertips. But the greatest thing about the conservation district is, is you get to talk with live people face to face. That is the most important thing that sometimes is being left out anymore with our technology is talking to a real person. And our district manager does that. She is the first face that people see when they come in the door. And she knows where all the information is and whom to get those people in contact with. 
and that is available in all 105 counties. And that is one thing we believe in is the conservation district is really riding for the brand for the producer out there. So if you don't know where the office is, please take time to go find out. And it's like opening a whole door to all the information. But again, you're talking with live people. Sharing information is the most important part of what we do. Uh, for example, again, with our burn workshops, we've been able to reduce the amount of rural fire runs in our county. And every county has a budget situation. You know, money is always tight. But we can get people to attend our workshops and get the fundamentals of it, learn how to uh, access uh, National Weather Service for the red flag warnings, um, wind directions, wind speeds, things of that nature. Again, the technology that's in our pockets is something that we can utilize, but we have to share the information with the average Jess to help make things work out better. You know, before I started research for this call to talk to you, I didn't realize that every single county in Kansas had a conservation district office. Uh, I mean, I think that's phenomenal. In agriculture and in the regenerative agriculture, um, I guess you could call it movement, we talk a lot about context. You have to know the context in which you are farming and ranching um, to be able to make changes. And so we do see Sometimes, um, you know, there's recommendations or there's blanket statements made about soil health that may or may not be relevant uh, to your part of the state. We see this a lot in the state of Kansas. Even, you know, we're talking to you on the eastern and the southeastern part of the state. We're also going to be talking to folks in the central. And the conversation is going to look different when we head out west and talk to the west, um, you know, the west district managers in that area. So tell me a little bit more about what makes your particular area unique. You mentioned some of the, the workshops that you do, but what is your focus that you think is unique in your area? I think that what's unique in our area is that we have a pretty equal balance of uh, livestock producers that rely on uh, native forage and introduced tame pastures but we also have people that raise soybeans and, and corn and commodity crops. And so we have to kind of cover the, uh, the entire part of agriculture. But what makes that work so well is actually what I call it. There is a formal agreement called the Kansas Conservation Partnership that consists of conservation districts, conservation district managers, as Daryl said, which are the daily face of conservation in the county and in all 105 counties. Also, the Natural Resource Conservation Service is a partner, and we partner with the State Conservation Commission, which I'm a member of, that works very closely with the Kansas Department of Agriculture Division of Conservation staff folks to develop policy and programs to administer through the conservation districts in the entire state of Kansas. Also, what's exciting to me is that each conservation district as a grassroots organization identifies the needs in that particular county because Kansas is so diverse. What's important to us here and a concern to us here 
may not be in the neighboring county and certainly not a hundred miles away from here. So the conservation districts are the grassroots that identify concerns. They have a trusted relationship and it doesn't matter what business you're in. If you are going to succeed, you have to have a good relationship with the folks you deal with and treat them fairly. And that is the beauty of conservation districts is that they have eight decades of a trusted relationship with the folks out on the land. And that's how we reach folks. Absolutely. And a lot of our other podcast guests that have been on the show have talked about the soil health principles and about how the practices in which you would go about to achieve a principle, whether it's maximizing, you know, diversity, whether it's keeping the soil covered, that looks different compared to what, even across the state of Kansas, it looks different. So Daryl, talk to me a little bit more about how the conservation district helps with rangeland health. Um, you were telling me earlier that, you know, it's not just Terrace and Waterways. How, how do you help producers on um, looking at their rangeland? Uh, we have a range conservationist in our area uh, based up in Greenwood County right now. And uh, we have uh, field days every so often. We'll go out on somebody's ranch and take a look around there, uh, bring in several speakers and then uh, hit some of the uh, topics again, invasives is always a primary one. Um, I look at this, and the reason I volunteer with this is this is continuing education for me. Um, it's been a long time since I've been to school, but uh, if if a person could take just a day out of their schedule and attend one of these tours and interact with other people. The next thing you know, you're talking with somebody that may live two or three counties away. You share the same interest and say, well, you know, I've tried this and, and this is the result I've gotten. Well, by golly, I never thought of it that way. You know, maybe I'll give it a try. There is still that need for interaction amongst producers to help improve the situation in their operations. And, uh, here again, you know, we've been bashing the cedar trees, which, you know, we need to do that all we can. But in my situation, rather than trying to get bigger, I just want to improve my operation. And so if I can clear those cedars back and gain a few extra acres and reduce the water consumption and, and get rid of the uh, willow trees on the pond dams that drink 300 gallons a day, hey, that's a good thing. And to be able to bring in the uh, experts, per se, from the universities and get them in front of the people again. It's, the, it's that live interaction with those folks and the ability to ask questions right up front that makes it all that much more possible to, to make the whole big picture look better. Absolutely. Daryl, I mean, I, I think that's key, um, getting people back out on the land, not just producers, but but getting community members, um, getting uh, our lawmakers, people, all of us eat. And what we're talking about here is creating healthy soil for healthy people, planet, and animals. So, Rod, before the show, we were talking about, you know, you said you're a sunlight farmer. Tell me a little bit more about what that means to farm sunlight. Well, for me, uh, the opportunity to take sunlight and 
through plants converted into something useful that helps improve the soil, uh, helps animals grow, uh, produces a crop we can harvest, it is the wisest thing that I can do with, uh, with my land. And so I try to have as much diversity in plants that are beneficial to, uh, to soil health and to the growth of animals. Uh, because if I'm missing out on uh, a plant through photosynthesis, uh, making something beneficial out of that sunlight, then, then I'm not improving the management to, to the place where I have a goal to be. So I, I try to have something that's uh, growing uh, actively uh, every day. In my operation, I, I uh, tried to manage the, the native ecosystem, the tall grass prairie, uh, as I was taught in school and through, uh, through advisors in uh, conservation, in the Natural Resource Conservation Service and so on. But on the cropland, I chose to plant a perennial mixture of grasses, forbs, legumes, and so on uh, that could be maintained uh, and, and complement and supplement the native ecosystem. So I've used cover crops and so on, getting to that point. But uh, I, I try to have something growing out there all the time that, that the animals can use and that the soil can benefit from. And ultimately, it improves all the resources because they are all connected after all. Well, I think that's fantastic. And that that's a that's a success story. Looking at perennial cropping systems is is going to be key to the future. I think it's going to be key to sustaining a lot of natural resources. And um, I'm excited to hear that you're focused on that. So let's uh let's think about what what success story can we bring up in the conversation? And and this can be anything. This could be working with a producer through the district or a success story that you've had on your own operation. I mean, um, we talk a lot about, there's a lot of hard stuff going on in the world right now from the cost of inputs. We're fighting a war in a part of the, of the world. And we just really don't know how that's going to affect us. Um, what, what sort of, what successes have you seen or, or that you're most excited about seeing in this season? One of my favorite stories is, uh, occurred after the conservation district had done a, a field day for third graders. And I had written a book about the Dust Bowl, which is where conservation districts evolved from. Um, it's often been called the greatest man-made uh, natural disaster in history. But, but I wrote an interactive story and, and I presented it and the kids had to make decisions about uh, the hardships that occurred during those times and so on. And several weeks later, I was uh, in a store and one of the, uh, the students that had been to this field day said, was with her father and said, dad, dad, there's the conservation guy. And he looked at me and he says, oh, that's all I've heard about for the last three weeks. Well, that tells me that that stayed with that young person and not only did it have an impact on them, she shared it. We reached the parents and the grandparents with our message. And to me, that was a success. Uh, and it just so happened that day, as we were out the parking lot, she looked to the west and there was a big thunderstorm approaching. 
And she said, oh, no, look at those dark clouds. Is that a dust storm? And I said, no, that, that's rain. But, but at any rate, uh, another, another quick story is that uh, conservation district managers, as I said earlier, the face of, of for us on a daily basis with the public out there, uh, there's just, I have friends all across the state because I know conservation district managers and supervisors. And one of them called me up from Finney County. Uh, and only she wasn't in Finney County. And she said, Oh, I'm out of the state on a vacation. And one of, one of my family's relatives in your County died. And I, I, I can't, I, I want to get something for the family and they like to eat. Could you go buy a bunch of lunch meat and chips and potato salad and bread and take it to them? And I said, well, sure, Connie, I'll do that. And she says, well, I'll catch up with you somewhere down the road. And I said, I'm not worried about it. So I said, okay, who is it? And who do I need to go see? And she told me, and I said, oh, well, that's no problem. Uh, my son-in-law is the nephew of the family member you lost and, and we'll get it to him. No problem. But that's just conservation folks are just a big family. And, and that's the power of conservation districts right there. And I think that's a success. A fantastic network. Absolutely. And that's how we reach people across the state is that we have a trusted relationship with folks and, and uh, it's relationships with people that create those successes Absolutely. all across the state. It is. And, and we, I have been, uh, people from outside of the state of Kansas has actually commented to me as we do our work with Soul Health U and Great Plains Regeneration about the way we do things here. We are relationship based. We are, we are the type of folk who without even questions asked, we'll, we'll go help out another family member. So um, Daryl success story. Well, to add on to what Rod talked about, there's this conservation attitude amongst all of the people that interact with our districts. We're all on the same page. We may have different ways of getting to the end goal, but we're all on the same page in one shape or another. And a, a prime example of that, uh, we have what we call local work groups on our areas around and there's where we talk about resource concerns and, and things that are affecting things out on the land. And we can take those concerns. And again, because there's a district presence in all 105 counties, you can take that to the legislators in Topeka. Uh, Pam Walker and I met with uh, a senator just here the other day when we had the conservation day at the Capitol. And for 30 minutes, we answered his questions. And when we brought up the point that there is this conservation district presence in all 105 counties, and there's where you get information from the producers to come to Topeka with, his eyebrows went up and you can see the light bulb go off. Those people are accessible. And we need to break the idea that oh, well, they're up there and we're down here and they won't listen to us. That's not right. We have the ability to take the information and go up there and help them to make sound decisions depending on whatever bill comes across with water quality 
or things of that nature. And because the conservation districts have that 80-year trusted relationship, they know that they've got a place they can come to to get the things necessary to help make that decision on that vote. We are grassroots strong. Yes, we are. We are grassroots strong. Well, I think that is a fantastic way for us to wrap up our podcast today. We will have more information on links, how you can uh, get more from Rod or Daryl. And um, Rod, I want the link to the book that you wrote. We'll put that up there as well. And any other information, we'll go ahead and, and get that out to our listeners. So thank you so much for being on the podcast today. Thank you for the opportunity. Yes, indeed. We really enjoy this. Oh, and hey, we uh, we cannot end this without talking about Pam Walker. She is the district manager um, oh, for yeah. your area. And so just as a cliffhanger, we're going to have Pam on the Farmer Friday webinar here in a few weeks. And she's going to share with us a little bit more fun detail um, about what it means to be a conservation district manager. So thank you guys for being on the show. Thank, thank you, you so much. Appreciate you joining us today. And for more soil health information from High Plains Journal, please sign up, hit the subscribe button at the bottom of the page. I look forward to growing together.